We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to week 11 of Solo Ship. I'm Squirrel Patrol, joined as always by J.M. DeLynn. Uh, J.M., we're recording a day early this week. Uh, in part, I got to go to Miami for King of the Beach tomorrow. Uh, so got to find out like when we, we normally record. Um, yeah, I so I I made the hot take call last week that Joshua Dobbs would have like an excellent game. Um, and it was like one of my best hot take calls of the season and it looked like it was going to be a bonanza for me. And then Dak Prescott had to ruin all of my Tony Pollard, like Joshua Dobbs teams, just in like one one swoop. I just kept throwing touchdown passes, you know, came the high scoring quarterback. Tony Pollard did nothing. Um, you know, how how was your week 11 or week 10? Well, my week 10 was uh, it was brutal in, on the DFS side. It was uh, just barely below break even between pickums and DFS. And it was funny because uh, we were talking about this on the DFS lab show this morning. but yeah, same thing for me, right? Like I was, I had a little bit of Dak, but it was primarily Purdy and Howell and Purdy puts up whatever he put up 25 and Howell put up his typical 29 points at sub 6K. Uh, actually ended up on some Dobbs, I think like 6% or 8% Dobbs rosters paired with Hawkinson. Uh, and then, you know, Dak goes out and puts up 41 or 42. And same thing the week before where Dak was my highest owned quarterback. And it was Dak paired with CeeDee Lamb and CeeDee Lamb was my highest owned wide receiver. So that helped a little bit more. But like, you know, Dak was my highest owned quarterback. He put up the 31 or 32 and then Stroud put up 46. So, um, and I was talking, we were talking about that on, on DFS Lab this morning because I don't, you know, we always have to be aware of that. I don't think this is a week where there's going to be one of these 40 pointers because we were talking about on the show, we were talking about like Sam Howell and Brock Purdy and kind of these, 6.3k and below quarterbacks who can get you 25 to 30 and then it was like of course if somebody goes for uh 40 then you know you're still screwed because because you're so far behind those rosters but yeah interesting couple of weeks where we've had these like just monster quarterback score from one guy uh, both times not a guy who's super high priced either so uh yeah pretty unique last couple of weeks for sure yeah, so this week we've got 11 game slate um and it's it's a little bit better than some of the previous weeks where you know, there hasn't been a high point total to be found. Uh, you know, we have a couple of the teams that have been off the, the main slate are, are back on it. Uh, something that I got noticing this week in particular, but it's kind of been happening all season, is like this increasing divergence of the offenses. 
Um, so I think we've got eight teams out of the 22 that have like an implied point total of 17 or less. That that's the highest number I can I can remember. Uh, we've got two in the same game, uh, I think, with uh, uh, Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Um, and then we have uh, we have Dallas, Detroit, Houston, Miami, and San Francisco, all with implied point totals of 26 or more. I mean, that's like a nine point difference. But, you know, obviously, like those teams are in are in different games. But we're really seeing like this divergence where it seems like there are some offenses that are so high powered, it almost like doesn't matter the matchup. And then some of the other offenses, it also doesn't matter the matchup. Like they are just going, you know, to they're going to score their 12, <laughs> 15 points. Right. Um, you know, and and it's almost hard to find any kind of value. And and sometimes that value does seem to like crop up from those teams. But it's it's almost like fool's gold, right? Like it uh, like the touchdowns may just not be there. Um how, what are your initial thoughts on the week? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good shout on this. And I think one of the things that really stands out to me on this slate, you know, last week we had uh, Texans and Bengals, uh, good defenses, but it's like, you know, these offenses are capable of pushing each other. We had the Chargers and the Lions, those offenses were capable of pushing each other. Uh, this week, it's all kind of big spreads for these teams. So the the shape is a little bit different in terms of and again not to say that these teams can't get there on the way up uh, 49ers you know since Brock Purdy has taken over have a you know a pretty deep history of being viable to stack with no bring back in fact uh, more often than not I was kind of digging into that last week but it's like 60% of the time the the best way to play 49ers stacks has been no bring back because they can just smash teams and put up a bunch of points uh, pretty concentrated offense but um, you know a team like the the Lions you'd love to see them in a game where the opponent's going to score points against their defense. And what's cool about the Lions is like the Lions are a good defense because they're disciplined and they they follow all their rules. They don't make mistakes, but they're not like this scary, super talented defense. And so we've seen, you know, Gino put up a big game against them. And uh, uh, who else? There's been three quarterbacks that have put up a big game against them, but they're like all elite quarterbacks. Uh, it was uh, Gino and Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert, right? And so does Justin Fields fall into that category? Probably not. So yeah, it's, it's one of these spots where um, the the game environments don't necessarily match up all that well. And then also kind of the the tilts of some of these matchups to where, you know, very quietly, the Bears are the worst team in football to run against, uh, the lowest EPA per play on the ground allowed. So it's like, and teams lean into that. Teams have been passing at a pretty high rate against the Bears, but we know that the Lions would prefer to lean on their ground game and you know, if they take control of this one, they probably still do that a little bit, even if even if um, you know the matchup doesn't lean that way. Uh, Chargers, right? Like Chargers don't have a bad matchup against the Packers through the air, but uh, teams just relentlessly run the ball against the Packers. So yeah, it's kind of a weird week where things don't line up uh, in like a very clear way for the strengths of these teams or for the way that you would like these games to shape up. So uh, definitely like separation between the best spots and and the other spots, but not like just massive standout separation of that, if that makes sense, kind of how I'm seeing it. Yeah. It, it's interesting. You started with like, you know, Chicago and Detroit because Justin Fields is back. Um, and, you know, we saw Kyler Murray come back and look pretty good in his debut last week. And, you know, Justin Fields returning from injury. Um, I, you know, you know, I love my, my rushing quarterbacks, especially on, on FanDuel where, you know, those, those rushing touchdowns and, and rushing yards are, you know, count a little bit more relative with only a half point per reception, right? The scores tend to be lower. So, like, if quarterbacks getting rushing yards, even though it's the same points on FanDuel and DraftKings, they kind of count more on. on yeah, like all the other players are scoring fewer points, and those guys are scoring more points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it actually it took me years to realize that. Like, wow, why do these like 
you know, why do these Russian quarterbacks always pop for me on, on FanDuel? And it is. It's like, yeah, there's those points count more and you don't have as much opportunity to drop down in the salary list, right? Like the prices tend to stop at around 6,000 instead of going down to like, God, we have like multiple quarterbacks below 5,000 <laughs> this week. I mean, Dorian Thompson Robinson, speaking of running quarterbacks, 4,500 this week. So uh, yeah. yeah, you can get all the way down there. Uh, you can. And uh, I think Tommy DeVito is facing a commander's uh, pass defense. I actually made a joke about playing him at King of the Beach, right? Like, because I, I was saying, you know, there might be weeks where he's useful and probably against the Commanders uh, with the NFC East. <laughs> um, and my my co-host, Eric, was like, you know, they're playing the Commanders next week and you'll be a king of the beach. I'm like, I'm not playing. <laughs> Tommy, we'll see that. I'll do some more research. Um, but, yeah, I do. I think Justin Fields is, is definitely in play. Um, I, you know, I like the idea of maybe a, a pairing of, of Justin Fields with Monroe St. Brown, uh, you know, just because – that that's maybe getting the, the receptions and passing yards that fields won't get, but I can see both players putting up a good amount of points in that game. Yeah. I mean, fields put up 140 rushing yards and two touchdowns against the lions last year, obviously not the same lions defense, but he's capable of putting up that type of game. You brought up Kyler Murray. I think another guy who very interesting this week. And, and, you know, we already mentioned the teams with the high totals, the teams with 26 plus implied points and how all but one of those teams just has like a, I think a nine plus point spread. The only one that doesn't is Houston against Arizona. And so, you know, could that be a game where Houston is, is rolling against this Arizona defense, but then also Arizona is able to put up some points in response and kind of turn this into more of a back and forth affair than some of these other games might be. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think that in terms of the running quarterbacks, those two guys really stand out on this slate Uh, and an interesting week at quarterback too, because you know, not that the guys at the high ends can't hit, but it's like j- just fundamentally in terms of how teams attack, you know, the Panthers, how teams attack the Packers, like teams lean so run heavy against those teams. In fact, the Panthers, positive EPA per play allowed against the run. They're one of only four teams that you pick up positive expected points per rush attempt against them. Uh, and yet negative EPA allowed per pass attempt against the Panthers. So like that's part of the reason why you see teams just lean so run heavy against them. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Herbert, Dak, uh, Tua against the Raiders, another team that's really like really solid against the pass, really bad against the run. Not to say that Tua can't hit, but he's got this, what, his best game this year is 31 points. His second best, their best game is 32, second best 31. Um, and this is a spot where, you know, the matchup suits them better on the ground. Raiders probably can't keep pace. So it's kind of like the, the, these top four guys on DraftKings, Allen, Tua, Herbert, Dak, like you can make pretty strong cases against all of them in terms of them putting up like had to have it types of scores. Uh, and then, you know, you've got the the Stroud, but then below that you've got Fields and you've got Sam Howell, my guy, you've got Brock Purdy, you've got um, Jordan Love, you've got uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, who uh, I do think is actually interesting on the side. You've got Kyler Murray. So, yeah, I mean, there's just, it's a really interesting quarterback week for sure. Uh, so can I, you're, you're saying that uh, this might be the Tony Pollard week, like if the Carolina defense is one that you want to. <laughs> well, I mean, it really, it, it honestly might, you know, it's, uh, it, it's crazy. His expected fantasy points versus his actual fantasy points. It's, it's nuts how out of whack that is. And it's not, you know, you look through his game logs with the carries and it's like 14 carries, 15 carries, but there's context added to all of those. It's not like he's, you know, Rick, Ricky Dowdle isn't getting, you know, he's not Kareem Hunt to Jerome Ford. He's not like out there getting 35, 40% of the snaps and touches. Um, it's just been a function of how these games have gone where the Cowboys have been like way behind or way ahead. And so 
uh, game flow has been wonky and Pollard sitting on the sidelines in the fourth quarter or whatever the case might be. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is, if there's a week, you know, I had very little Pollard last week. And it wasn't that I didn't think he could hit. It was just like, I didn't think the chances were as good as the field was going to think. And this week, I think the chances are better than the field is going to think, especially after he burned people again last week. So, no, I mean, it very well could be uh, Tony Pollard week. It, Pollard's an interesting case. I, I had a ton of them last week. And it just, it seemed like you saw the line, you saw the spread, uh, you know, and the, the game total and it just seemed like, okay, like Dallas is going to get it out to an early lead. And then just lean on Tony Pollard and it's finally the week. And it was not finally the week. It was um, not finally the week. Yeah, it was. He's a frustrating player because he's getting, he's on the field and Dallas is just not using him, among other issues. It seems like they're just not using him in the red zone, but they're just scoring anyway. And so, like, so with like other teams, they don't use their best players. So, like, just Atlanta pops into my head, right? That like people get upset because they're not like using the players we want them to use for fantasy scoring and a lot of times they're like not putting up a ton of points anyway and so the frustration is like somewhat justified but with Dallas like what can you say like Dak is just throwing touchdowns uh and they just don't need to run Tony Pollard yeah but I mean Josh Jacobs leads the NFL with 22 carries inside the 10 Tony Pollard second with 21 it's just he's just not getting it done you know he's got he's got two touchdowns inside the 10 Jalen Hurts has seven Christian McCaffrey has six Kenneth Walker has six David Montgomery has five Gus Edwards, Raheem Mostert both have eight, like on down the list. Like the, even the touches are there. It's just like the touch, like the, the productivity, the efficiency is just, it's been pretty crazy because of remember last year when it was like uh, you play Tony Pollard, he gets 14 touches and puts up 30 plus points. And then like the next week he's going to get 20 plus touches. So everybody plays when he puts up 30 plus points again. And now all of a sudden he, you know, he's there, he's getting the touches, he's getting the workload and just not, it's not coming together. But yeah, there's a game where it's going to come together. I mean, this was the, this was the matchup where, you know, we've got 37 points from Raheem Mostert at like whatever it was, 35% ownership, but it was like, well, he's still playing at 35% ownership in this matchup. Um, I'm not that confident on Pollard, but I do think he's like a very, very interesting play this week. Yeah. I think he's fitting for me better on, on FanDuel than on DraftKings. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll end up using him, especially on FanDuel um, at, at 6,900. Uh, it's just, it's tough to go back there. <laughs> like it does, it's a good matchup, uh, but it is, it, it's tough to go back there. Actually, I went to circle back to the, to the Arizona Houston game. Cause that's a game that's like kind of uh, showing up, you know, a lot of players in, in projections. And I think there's some, some injury questions there. Um, I think Nico Collins and Noah Brown on the, the Texan side. Uh, but yeah, Kyler Murray looked good. Like CJ Stroud has looked fantastic. Um, and I think that is one of the games with a higher point total and closer spread uh, that it's easier to envision being a, a shootout. Uh, do you see it as you know, possibly being the same way? Yeah, absolutely. I've, you know, you're flying for King of the Beach tomorrow. I'm flying for the holidays tomorrow. So I've had to, you know, Friday usually I put together my player grid. I do all my podcasts that day. So I've had to like kind of move everything forward a day this week so um that's actually one of the only games one of the only two games that i haven't written up my dfs interpretations for yet and i waited because i wanted to see thursday practice reports but uh, nico collins has said he's going to play but then noah brown missed again on thursday damian pierce missed again on thursday and so one of the like that's going to kind of dictate things for me is how concentrated is this passing attack but if it's if it's this concentrated especially against an arizona team that's been really good against tight ends not to say that schultz can't hit but um, like Collins, Singletary, and, and Tank Dell end up being such a 
central central pieces of that offense. Uh, the, yeah, no, I, I mean, I really like that game environment. I really like that spot. The the two games like I'm I'm likeliest to stack in terms of full games are Bears and Lions and uh, Arizona and Houston. So I think we're on the same page there. I do have actually some interesting notes I want to throw your way on the the Bears and Lions game. If we circle back around to that, but uh, no, very much I see this like Texans and and Arizona game being a game. And I haven't looked at optimizers or projections yet to see kind of how popular these guys will be. That kind of comes into my process tomorrow. But, um, you know, just from like a standpoint of what what is good on paper, those are really sharp places to look, I think. Yeah, actually, I kind of skipped over Devin Singletary when I was talking about like things that were last week. I mean, he had 150 yards uh, and his like his price really hasn't gone up as much as it should. It's gone up a little bit. I think he's like 4,700 on DraftKings last week. So like that 150 yards, um, you know, at the running back position at 4,700 was actually kind of a slate breaker. Um, and now he's, he's only 5,300. And it'll be interesting. I think Damian Pierce yeah, did mispractice. So if Singletary is getting the start again, I mean, that's potentially a workhorse back you're getting in a very good offense uh, at, at 5,300. Uh, I guess, yeah, let's like circle back to the to the Lions and Bears. Because, um, yeah, that is a game that I, I have some interest in as well. Yeah, so um, do you remember when Matt Eberflus was with the Colts and the whole thing against their defense was like, Every single year you looked at the talent on the Colts defense, you were like, they're not really that good in the secondary, but they would be like one of the three worst matchups for wide receivers uh, year in and year out. And yet it was like, oh, attack them with pass catching running backs, attack them with tight ends. So this is kind of crazy. I don't think anyone's caught on to this. Maybe we shouldn't even talk about this publicly and put it out there. But uh, since week two, when Mike Evans went for 170 yards against the Bears, the Bears have not allowed a single wide receiver to top 65 yards against them. That includes Devontae Adams. That includes Keenan Allen. That includes uh, Jordan Addison with Kirk Cousins and, and no Justin Jefferson. And there have been several other really good wide receivers they've faced in that stretch. And this is the same structurally, the same defense that, you know, that the Colts had all those years where it was like, just don't play wide receivers against the Colts, play pass catching running backs, play tight ends. So it's a really interesting spot to me because I think that when people look at the top of the wide receiver range this week, the initial instinct is like, okay, Tyree kills obviously interesting, but he's really expensive. People know that teams like to run the ball against Carolina. People know that the jets are a tough matchup with Stefan Diggs. Uh, people probably don't want to pay, pay nine K for Keenan Allen. And you know, what could be a, a game the Chargers easily control and seeing the tilts players towards the ground. And so I think that Amon Ross St. Brown is the first guy that people see and they're like, Oh, well, this is such, just such an easy button to push. And so I kind of think that, and and so the way I describe a situation like this is like, if we played the slate a hundred times, would he go for 30 plus points? Like, of course he would, but I just feel like the field is going to overrate how soft this matchup is and what a great spot it is and not understand like how good the bears have been against wide receivers, just based on the structure of their defense for, you know, two months of the season. So uh, I think it's a very interesting spot. And then it kind of makes me question, how do you attack the lions? Right? Because Jameer Gibbs at 7K, who, you know, he might get five catches. So sure, they're, it's a great spot for pass catching running backs, but is that enough? And so, uh, yeah, just a really interesting spot for me with that Lions team because the Lions team is part of what makes them good is that they can attack you with James Williams, with Khalif Raymond, with Josh Reynolds, with Amon Ross St. Brown, with Sam Laporta, with both running backs. So it's like, it could be one of those games where they score 30 points, but nobody really puts up a, a big fantasy score um, in terms like against their salary. So yeah, just an interesting spot that I, I want to throw out there because I think a lot of people will misread that as like an obvious smash smash spot 
Whereas really he has to overcome a, a setup that's not great for him through the air. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, that's that's really good insight because I I like I said the first thing I thought of was Amon Ra St. Brown right like I mean the they have other wide receivers uh, and especially on a price considered basis you know you want to be you know thinking about guys like Jameson Williams uh, but yeah the, the primary guy you're going to think of is Amon Ra St. Brown but maybe it is maybe it's a Jameer Gibbs you know pass catching week when everybody else is thinking we don't know how things are going to be divided up among running backs or maybe you know a Sam Laporta week um, hot takes uh, so. Do you have a hot take ready or? No, why don't you? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll throw a hot take out there. I'll throw a hot right. take out there. Uh, I'll say that uh, I don't actually believe this, but this is, makes it a mega hot take. I do think that these guys will overperform expectations. I'll say that Dorian Thompson Robinson plus Amari Cooper is going to be a tournament winning pairing this week. Again, I don't totally believe that, but I do think that we played out this thing a hundred times. That would happen more times than people would expect. Yeah, no, I like that kind of hot take because it's it's an actual hot take. Like, and you're trying to be like directionally accurate, right? Like, like yeah, gonna yeah, yeah. It. I mean, it's plus EV. I think it's plus EV, and so uh, we'll phrase it as a hot take, but just in terms of like how we actually think it is, it is a plus EV way to go this week. Interesting. I like. I was going to ask, like, do you have any interest in anything from like from that game because it's one of the lower total games I can I can remember without like severe weather, <laughs> um, right, right, right. maybe even with severe weather. Uh, you know, it's one of the lower totals I, I've seen. Um, but it, it's interesting that you think he's he's going to surprise. And I'm kind of curious why they're going back to like to Thompson Robinson, because um, like PJ Walker, I guess. Well, no, I guess it was uh, Deshaun Watson, right, that led them to the win last week. But it seemed like PJ Walker was kind of the experienced guy brought in, and and DTR is the the rookie. But the, the yeah, the project. I mean, it's supposed to be, but um, PJ Walker is the lowest PFF grade among all NFL quarterbacks by like 20 points this year, like one of the highest turnover worthy play rates. I mean, he's just been bad. And Dorian Thompson Robinson looked awesome. He looked awesome enough in preseason that the Browns are like, all right, let's get rid of Josh Dobbs so we can keep Dorian Thompson Robinson on the roster and develop him as our third guy. And obviously they would like to have Josh Dobbs on the roster right now, but uh, no, I mean, DTR looked awesome in the preseason. He got, he started on short notice against the Baltimore Ravens you know, and, and it's kind of got thrown to the wolves guy with rushing upside. Obviously they're going to, they're going to lean on the run this week. So hard for them to rack up a lot through the air, but um, he's the kind of guy who could rush for 60 yards in this spot. And I think that kind of like the Will Levis first start, you see him and you're like, Oh, this guy can actually hit. And you're like, Oh no, that's dumb. That was like what I did. Will, Will Levis's first start. And he goes out and puts up 26 points and you kind of miss your chance to get on that. So um you know, I'm not, am I, am I going to have a ton of DTR? No. Am I going to be overweight the field? Yeah. Cause 
nobody's going to be on him. I'll have like 3% of them or something, 4% of them. Uh, but I do think that he would hit more than three or 4% of the time in this spot. Oh, I mean, by the way, Pittsburgh, they're like, they're like 11th in scoring defense, but like bottom five in yards allowed. I mean, that's their thing. They just, they let you move, march the field and then hold you out in the red zone. But at DTR's price with his rushing upside, if he's picking up yards, that's pretty good for you. And, you know, accounts for one rushing touchdown all of a sudden, it's a pretty valuable piece. I, I couldn't believe I was reading the write up on that that game and I couldn't believe Pittsburgh six and three. Um, I know, right? <laughs> like, this just does not seem like what their record is. But I mean, it's this stuff is written down somewhere, right? Like they they are six and three. They are I, six and three. <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't believe that's their record. I I think that's really interesting insight on on uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson because I I thought about that game, right? He's like forty five hundred on DraftKings. Like that is absurdly cheap for a quarterback for a starting quarterback. Uh, and I totally forgotten that the start that he had did come on like really short notice where it was like Sunday morning and they were expecting it. I think Sean Watson maybe got hurt in warmups or like, I think Watson was expected to play. And then suddenly he's like, no, uh, he's not going to play. And it's just like, it, it didn't seem like they were preparing during the week at all for, mm-hmm. for Thompson Robinson to play. And that it was against a Baltimore defense that were maybe now even more than looking at going, Oh, this is like a very, very difficult uh, defense to to pass against uh, and, so and probably, probably importantly not just because they're talented but because they're like the Ravens are one of the most creative and confusing defenses in the NFL like that's what makes them so tough and so for a, a rookie thrown in into the fire you know not that Pittsburgh's a cakewalk but it's like they're they're less they're less of a matchup problem than than the Ravens and so um no I mean I just think it's obviously we're spending a lot of time on like a, a single entry show talking about DTR, but I do think that he's for anybody who's like playing large field play, you know, take some shots on him, pair him with Elijah Moore or with um, Amari Cooper, or, you know, even with even with Jerome Ford, who I think is that's that's kind of the piece from this game that for like single entry play that I would actually have interest in is Jerome Ford. Yeah, yeah, actually, I I, I think Jerome Ford could be in play as well, just in case they try to take some of the pressure off of, of Thompson Robinson. Uh, I guess for for my hot take, I'll go with something a little bit more lukewarm. Just I think Miami returns to their their scoring ways. Uh, my other hot take, you know, from that was pretty good from earlier this this year was that uh, we should just play Miami the rest of the season when we have the opportunity. And it, I think they're. It seems like it's been a while since they were on a main slate. Um, I think it's just you know two weeks ago against Kansas City, and they didn't they didn't look that good. Like they didn't put up their you know usual point total. But I'll say they they returned to the scoring ways with uh, forty two points against the Raiders. Um, I, like I think it. there'll be some some useful fantasy pieces there. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, in terms of single entry, uh, as I head to Miami, right. Like I, you know, thinking that the, the prices are too high and people, you know, are kind of glossing over them. Right. Cause it's, it's not popping a lot of people. So many more people are looking at projections now and like optimal lineups run using median projections now than they would have maybe five, six years ago. And the Miami guys aren't really, popping in those lineups because there's no like mispricings. There's no injury news. Um, it's like an NBA team where like everybody's just priced efficiently, but this isn't the NBA, right? Like in, in football guys will score right. multiples of their median projection, which is not what you see in, in basketball generally. Um, and so it, this could be the week that, you know, people aren't playing Tua, they're not playing Tyree kill. Uh, but I think Miami still has the highest supply point total on, 
on the board, which is you know something that's heavily correlated with fantasy production. Yeah, and I mean, uh, like just to run through this real quickly, Devin Singletary's fifty three hundred. He scored thirty points last week. Uh, Debo Samuel's sixty three hundred. He has a twenty eight pointer this year. Amari sixty two. Obviously, now Deshaun Watson's out. But just to illustrate this. Uh, he has a pair of 27 pointers this year. Hopkins is 6,100, has a 37 pointer, 25 pointer. You go on down the list, right? Tank Dell, two games of 28 plus points. Uh, DJ Moore, 5,600, two games of 30 plus points. Like you can play Tyreek Hill and he doesn't get you 45 and he still helps you win a tournament because like we can find guys, especially in this 5K price range at all positions, you even go over to tight end where Cole Komet has a 23-pointer and 27-pointer at 4,100. Trey McBride has a pair of 24-plus point games at 4,400. Uh, so there's like really viable uh, Noah Brown, 4,800. Again, not looking likely to play, but uh, 27 and 30 points these last two games. So uh, I think that's also one of the traps that people fall into is like, well, you know, can Tyreek Hill actually score 4X? Can he actually score 38 points in this spot that Miami should dominate? It's like, well, who cares? Like, what if he doesn't, but he scores 32 and, you know, then that pushes you you down to this price range. It's like, are all these wide receivers I just named, are they like materially lesser options than Adam Thielen against the Cowboys and Mike Evans against the 49ers and like Puka Nakua as a number two receiver now, DK Metcalf, who's topped 20.2 DraftKings points twice with Geno Smith. So it's like, I think that you can, if you remove salary from your thinking a little bit and just like, who are the players I'm getting on this roster? You know, Tyree Kill actually matters, like, like makes a lot more sense um, up at that price tag. And like you said, I think the people will kind of gloss over him because of the price tag. So, uh, no, I like that call. Any thoughts on the uh, the running backs on Miami? It's hard to parse out. I, I feel like Devin Achane's back, uh, Jeff Wilson's back. I think Raheem Mostert is still there. Um, so I think it's the first week we've got all three of those guys uh, and they still Savan Ahmed, I think. Um, yeah. I think he's still on the team. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so, and getting touches because they like him. Like he's going to get those three, four touches a game. So that's probably someplace I'm less likely to go um, just because it's hard to know. Like those guys are all going to be expensive. I think I haven't, I haven't looked specifically at the pricing, um, you know, just based on their performance, so at least HN and, and most of will be expensive. Yeah, I mean, HN is 6,600, most are at 6,900. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, that's kind of how I see it is, you know, Mostert has, what, two games of more than 13 carries. And and I think it's how they want to run this offense, right? Like, it won't surprise me if Mostert sees 11 carries and HN sees nine or 10 and Ahmed sees two or three and Jeff Wilson sees three or four, you know, and they just like, everybody kind of gets a turn on the field, gets a few touches, uh, which doesn't mean that they can't hit because they've shown that they can, but, um, and the matchup's great on the ground for them. But yeah, that's kind of a harder spot to pull the trigger on. It, it is. I, I think, you know, especially like for single entry, it's, it's hard to, if you're making one lineup or doing, you know, entering a single entry contest to pick one of those guys, because it really could be, a, you know, a three headed thing. Um, and you almost want to see with everybody back, how did things get divided up? Uh, but it could also be a tournament winning spot, right? Because right, maybe right. maybe it's not split up. <laughs> um, and maybe, you know, for he most it's getting three touchdowns, which is definitely within the realm of possibility with the Miami offense, then suddenly that's a piece that would be very nice to have uh, having tournaments. Um, I'm thinking that 
maybe that just keeps ownership down on the Miami passing game, which is probably safer or easier to like to fit. If that if that makes sense, I mean, Tyreek Hill is obviously very expensive, but that won't necessarily be a game that a lot of people are trying to game stack, which could keep like Tua and Tyreek Hill's ownership down. Uh, but I. I mean, I would be surprised if I didn't have some of the Dolphins running backs in like my my 150 uh, field, and and unlike most teams, I probably would not like exclude two running backs from the same team. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. Um, just hope you get those like 45 combined points between the two guys, and like you're you're sitting pretty with uh, with that. Um, yeah, I mean, running backs interesting this week, especially. I don't know. You said you haven't really looked at pricing a ton on DraftKings yet, but like. Uh, they've really adjusted. I mean, uh, Josh Jacobs, 6,800, Derek Henry, 6,300. Um, so they're kind of giving you uh, like a few more decisions to make too, in terms of, um, Hey, do you really want to play Derek Henry against Jacksonville? Probably not, but he's only 6,300, you know, like, do you really think Josh Jacobs can get 25 touches when the Raiders are traveling to play Miami? Probably not, but he's only 6,800, you know? So uh, I think it's an interesting week at the running back position too. I mean, Saquon only 7,100. So, um, yeah, a lot to play around with there for sure. Uh, one more game I wanted to get your thoughts on just because it's kind of a higher point total game uh, with a closer spread, uh, Seattle and the Rams. It looks like I think Matthew Stafford, again, we're recording this on Thursday. We usually do Friday, right, as like injury reports are getting released. I think Matthew Stafford has a chance to play. Um, any any thoughts on that game just because it, it's a game that might be relevant. Geno Smith is also pretty cheap on, especially on FanDuel. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's a geographic thing, but like when Seattle plays in the late window, a lot of times people kind of just forget about that game. It's like, oh, it's up there in the northwest corner, hanging out up there with JM, and we're not thinking about that game. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a game that I look at and I'm like, this is a game that could shoot out, you know? So historically, these games between McVay and Carroll don't shoot out. They tend to they tend to be like these lower scoring divisional type games, and um, so, you know, that that's part of the equation, I think, to think about. But in terms of what could happen, we play at the slate over and over again, there would be some shootouts in there. So, yeah, that's a game that I haven't really built any practice builds around. And kind of my – what I marked down early in the week was I marked down uh, Sean Watson, who's now not playing, but um, Watson, Fields and Goff, um, Kyler, and, uh, and then Purdy, Howell, and then I just wrote down Rams and Seahawks because it was like, who knows? You know, like I don't actually want to go build a Geno Smith roster. I don't actually want to go build a Matt Stafford roster. But then you're like, if you're just picking a game that could actually you look up and it's, oh my God, this was 31 to 37. That's one of those types of games. So um, yeah, like I don't look at that game and, and and find myself attracted to it, but it is one of those games that you understand, oh, this game actually could shoot out and, and probably want to give myself some exposure to that. I can't imagine like shopping through my 150 rosters and finding one of those and being like, Oh God, I got to put this in some single entry contests, but you could viably make that case. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Uh, Cooper cups, 8,100. Uh, I think it's like 9,000 or, or 90, yeah. more. Yeah. You know, just about a month ago. Uh, and his first two games, it looked like, Oh, wow, it's Cooper cup of all old. Like he might be the highest scoring fantasy player right, from here on out. Um, and then, you know, now he's kind of forgotten about. It's like, it's still Cooper Cup. Like, this is a, it's still a wide receiver that can give you 30 points, you know, at 8,000. Um, so it's something to something to consider. Um, that'll just about do it. Any any final thoughts on the week? Not not on Thursday, man. Uh, I think we covered I, I think we covered pretty good everything that I've got at this point, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of my thoughts as well. Um, you know, this is a Thursday edition of the show. So yeah, make sure you're checking the, the injury report and apologies. If anything we said makes absolutely no, no sense to, to <laughs> Friday, you know, injury reports or practice reports, but yeah, that'll do it for week 11 of solo ship. Uh, good luck to everybody. We'll see you next week.